It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here. I'm a little tired. I stayed up and watched all the speeches last night and back up at 2.30 in the morning and over to work. Uh, Harold Ford's going to be with us this hour. Uh, and in terms of a level-headed Democrat, he's about as great as he comes. Harold Ford Jr., former congressman from Tennessee, will be uh, breaking down President Biden's speech. And then Andrew McCarthy will be here talking about the raid on Rudy Giuliani's apartment. at 6 o'clock in the morning yesterday, that's Wednesday, they break into his apartment with a warrant. And they stay for two hours with seven FBI agents take all his stuff except Hunter Biden's laptop. Is that unbelievable? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At 6 a.m. this morning, federal agents raided the home of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. They seized his personal property, including his electronic devices, which include all of his digital communications and records. What's interesting is the one electronic device that the FBI did not take in today's raid was a copy of Hunter Biden's hard drive. Uh, That is Tucker Carlson last night. He's going to be on with Tucker tonight meaning the former mayor of New York. We all should be concerned as the feds fueled by politics is still targeting the Trump world. Their latest target, Rudy Giuliani. They raided his house, took his electronics, but left one hard drive behind Hunter Biden's. I think it's all way to get to the former president. What are your thoughts? Number two. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. Unbelievable. This guy has got to be stopped. Masked madness, staring down the most overrated American in the nation, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is getting closer to jumping the shark and the mass media beginning to get it, especially when it comes to kids, while the administration seems dead set on us staying in a perpetual state of COVID crisis. Meanwhile, where the insistence, where's the insistence that teachers unions and all the teachers compromise and get back to work? They got big checks. Number one. We also need to make a a once-in-a-generation investment in our families and our children. That's why I've introduced the American Families Plan tonight. The words of this speech sounded like what you would hear from a 15-year-old if you gave him a credit card with no credit limit on it, except the words came out of the mouth of an adult who should know better. President Biden addressing his disjointed session of Congress. What did we learn? He likes to spend. What does he want to do next? Spend more. Was this fictional pledge, was it his fictional pledge to work across the aisle? Meanwhile, no one buys that. It's never going to happen. Meanwhile, the Republican rebuttal delivered by Tim Scott was remarkably clear, concise, and effective. An in-depth analysis and reaction coming your way now. And I mean that. Uh, you didn't see me here talking about uh, Bobby Jindal, the then governor of Louisiana, having a great rebuttal to the president, President Obama. You didn't see me here saying that Marco Rubio was brilliant in his rebuttal to President Obama. Then he had to grab the water. But that aside, he, I think Marco Rubio is an excellent speaker. He didn't have a great night. And going against Barack Obama, not easy. Bill Clinton, not easy. But they weren't effective. These were rising stars, and they were not able to land a blow. Tim Scott was flat out fantastic. Why? Because the speech wasn't well, well written. And 
Joe Biden as president of the United States or a senator is not a good motivational speaker. I thought he was fine last night for him, for a 78-year-old that seems to have lost his fastball, for him. But there's nothing about last night I found inspirational. In fact, I found the other way. To see the over-the-shoulder shot and see only 100 people or 200 people there spread out across in masks when you—they're all vaccinated, by the way—when you have the vice president and the Speaker of the House stand, sitting behind you in masks, they don't have to be. They're both vaccinated, by the way. Nobody needed a mask. So what do people think around the country when they find out what Joe Biden's first speech is going to be like? They do watch around the world, too. They're saying, what's wrong with America? I thought they're leading the world with vaccines. 40% of the country's got at least one shot. 30%'s got two. Or the Johnson & Johnson, they're fully vaccinated. So what's the problem? The numbers are going down. What is the problem? Your economy grew at 6.4%. That just came in. What is the problem? They have to create a problem. How can they pass these emergency packages if we beat the pandemic? The president thinks we're actually waiting for the green light to have a cookout July 4th. I have news for you. Most of the country's been cooking out for 12 months. So what is Biden proposing? $200 billion for a universal preschool, $109 billion for a community college. Yeah, really? You've got to pay for it? $225 billion for paid leave. A lot of companies provide that. And 225 for child care assistance. Billion, that is. A spending spree adds up to this. $1.8 trillion for the American Families Act, which I just discussed. $2.3 trillion for the American Jobs Plan, which is so bad and so overdone. No one's going back to work because they're getting their supplemental on top of their unemployment. And they're begging our small business owners to get employees back. But, Mr. President, you paid them too much. And every Democrat, $1.9 trillion for the American Rescue Plan after we just passed $900 billion. I think this, pre- this president has no idea what he's doing. I think he just wants to get everybody flooded with money and keep his party in power. That's what I think. But the media feels differently. For example, cut three. Something to think about when we do see Joe Biden come down this aisle. Again, 36-year veteran of the Senate But so far, because of the pandemic, and he's never used terms of victimization, he has been robbed of so much of the majesty and pomp of the job. Campaign stops, uh, convention speech. um, uh, After he won, uh, giving his acceptance in a parking lot uh, in, in Wilmington. It seemed Joe Biden was trying to reach even past Congress and to Republican independents and Democrats out there in the country. I thought it was a, a remarkable speech, again, also because as he did in his inaugural, he spoke about white supremacy being the real threat, the worst terror threat to America. He's really trying to bring the country together. It was a make America feel good night, make America feel pride night. Is that unbelievable? I don't know. I guess it's the eye of the beholder, but these are commentators judging speeches. I mean, listen, you watch Barack Obama give a speech, you might not like it, but, man, he's comfortable. You watch Bill Clinton give a speech, you might not like it, he's comfortable. In terms of George Bush, who was extremely well written, I thought he was always solid, and Donald Trump was Donald Trump, man. Things happened. There were surprises. Things happened. If Trump is president, that place is packed. Cut one. Throughout our history, presidents have come to this chamber— to speak to Congress, to the nation, and to the world, to declare war, to celebrate peace, to announce new plans and possibilities. Tonight, I come to talk about crisis 
and opportunity, about rebuilding the nation, revitalizing our democracy, and winning the future for America. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. Right. So the crisis is virtually over. I've never seen an administration ever cheer for a crisis to continue. That's what we're witnessing. Let the crisis continue. No, we're up, we grew at 6.4%. We are now having different states. 18 states have said no more mask mandate. Most of these states are up and running. Even in New York, this governor, this terrible governor, hoping to keep his enemies at bay, has gone about to lift the curfew on May 31st. The, the mayor, the worst in the country, says in July we're thoroughly open, no more restrictions. So that's what's happening across the country. Why are you holding on to this pandemic? Because you want to jam these programs down our throats and say, I have no choice. Don't let a crisis go to waste. Even if I have to extend the crisis. So Senator Tim Scott was fantastic last night, and what I thought thought was good, too, was optimistic, it was upbeat, and it was autobiographical. Here's a little of Tim Scott calling out Joe Biden for having an inaugural that talked about unity and having 100 days to do just the opposite, cut 18. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, but President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. But what he also brought up, too, during the Trump years, people say, well, this president, he's so crass and he's always talking about, uh, you know, he's always he's uh, look at Charlottesville. I'm not happy with that. That one. You know what he pointed out? I've dealt with the president when I've had a problem with the president. I brought it up to, to the president. And the other thing is, during his time, four years, wages, jobs, all time high in the black community. How could you just glaze over that? And lastly, uh, I'm going to take a break because I want to get Dandy McCarthy to break down what happened with Rudy Giuliani. But I do want to talk about these mass mandates. The American people are beginning to wise up, even those in bed with Barack Obama and anything to any Democratic cause, because they can't live their lives. This is not about pre-K, free pre-K. This is about being able to fly, being able to get your mask off your four-year-old or your eight-year-old. So listen to this exchange with Savannah Guthrie of The Today Show featuring no one's, everyone's idol except mine, Anthony Fauci, cut 39. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected because they are out in the community where there is a lot of infection. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. You're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Beat it to death. There's no way your kid should be wearing a mask. And if you're walking with your kid, they're not wearing a mask. And the chance of a kid getting infected, infinitesimal. 
the types of kids that have been hospitalized. We have 330 million people in this fa- in this country, and kids are not being hospitalized. They're not dying from it at any rate that's even quantifiable or mathematically discoverable. The kids should be allowed to be kids. It's a year later. He is totally irresponsible. People have to stop booking him. He should be fired. Fired. Unbelievable. When we come back, Andy McCarthy tells us what happened with Rudy Giuliani. Then Harold Ford Jr. breaks down the new thing trending on Twitter. Uncle Tim mocking the Republican from South Carolina. Unacceptable. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mind you, I'm speaking as a son and a concerned American. Anybody, any American, whether you're red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, by the continued politicization of the Justice Department. Andrew, uh, you have uh, Andrew Giuliani uh, came down from the apartment to meet the press and basically made a statement, didn't take any questions. Rudy Giuliani will be on Tucker tonight after his apartment was raided and they took all his electronics. They said it was Ukraine-focused about what he was doing there that led to the president's impeachment that failed in the Senate. Andrew McCarthy joins us now, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, thanks for joining me. What were they doing? What were they looking for? Well, from what we're hearing, Brian, they were looking for uh, evidence in connection with the Ukraine investigation that the Southern District of New York has been running since, well, we know, I think uh, the indictment of uh, Parnas and Fruman was, I believe it was toward the end of 2019. It was right around the time, I'm sure this is a real coincidence, right around the time that President Trump was being impeached over the Ukraine stuff. So the first impeachment. Um, And what we understand from the reporting is that the Southern District has wanted to do this, um, this, get this information from Rudy since then, including by search warrant, uh, and that this has gone back and forth between uh, the Southern District of New York, which is my old office, 
And by the way, the office where Rudy Giuliani was the U.S. attorney and hired me to be a prosecutor in the 1980s, long ago and far away. But um, this has been going back and forth uh, like a volleyball between the SDNY and Maine Justice, uh, which evidently has stopped them for various reasons from uh, for, from doing it. So finally, they got evidently they got a green light from the Biden Justice Department to go ahead. So they want to make sure that he wasn't trading uh, of, without a license, uh, doing doing foreign business without a license. This is something that uh, you guys have been saying, these legal experts like yourself, that's almost never prosecuted before the Paul Manafort situation. That's right, Brian. I, I actually laid this out in uh, Ball of Collusion, which is the book I wrote about the Russiagate stuff. Um in the 50 years before Mueller, uh, there were seven prosecutions on the Yeah, you kind of break it up a little bit, Andy. Um, I don't know if you're in a, a tough location or the elevator. You tried again? Okay, we kind of dropped off. Um, well, this was referenced, this whole investigation, but with Joe Biden uh, during the debates. Listen to Joe Biden talk about Giuliani October 20th in the debates with President Trump. Cut 50. We are in a situation where we have foreign company countries trying to interfere in the outcome of our election. His own, own national security advisor told him that what is happening with his buddy, well, I won't, I shouldn't, well, I will. His buddy, Rudy Giuliani, he's being used as a Russian pawn. He's being fed information that is Russian that is not true. That was when it was referenced there. Is that what this is about? That's what it goes back to. Andy, if they're going to look to see what he was doing there and was he doing something for the president, when you're looking through his phone and his laptops, I imagine he has some. If you see some communication that you find disturbing or potentially illegal, I mean, that's what they did in Michael Cohen's office. They go in there for one thing, they see other things, and Mueller says, I don't need this, but maybe the Southern District of New York wants to take a look at Michael Cohen's stuff. Yeah, it's an old doctrine of law, Brian, but like the best example I can give you is let's say you're doing a gun investigation and you get a search warrant to look for, say, a gun with an obliterated serial number that you think is in someone's house. So you go in and you find a pile of cocaine on the table. The cocaine is not what you were looking for, but under the law, as long as you were legitimately on the premises doing a search – if, if you see evidence of a, another crime that's not the crime that you were looking for, you can seize it. Why is this a priority, finding out what Rudy Giuliani was doing in the Ukraine a few years ago? Well, I don't think it should be a priority. Now, you know, we have to uh, we have to remember that we don't know everything, and we're just going on the basis of what's been reported and what we can assume. There may be other stuff going on that we don't know about. I, I sure hope there isn't. But I'll say this. I, I really agreed uh, enthusiastically with Attorney General Barr's view that the only way to stop politicizing the Justice Department was to get the Justice Department out of these political investigations and stop using it as a weapon against the political opposition. It takes two to tango. It's one thing for you know Barr to say, you know, no, we're not going to do this case against Andy McCabe, and we're not going to try to indict Comey. And I, I think those were the right calls, but. His taking that position, which I think is an admirable position, never meant that once the Democrats were back in control of the Justice Department, they weren't going to start doing the same things they did under Obama, which was totally politicized 
law enforcement and intelligence. Andy, thanks so much. Andy McCarthy, thank you. Harold Ford Jr. on the speech last night next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're the United States of America. There's not a single thing, nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. We can do whatever we set our minds to if we do it together. So let's begin to get together. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you for your patience. Uh, that was uh, the President of the United States last night, finishing up about a 64-minute address in a joint session of Congress. But I only had about 200 people there. But were you watching? If not, I know Congressman Harold Ford Jr. was. He's uh, the newest Fox News contributor, and he was on the set with Brett and Martha, uh, the former congressman from Tennessee, now a New York resident. Welcome back, Congressman. Brian, good morning. Thanks for uh, the congratulations and happy to be part of the family. Yeah. How does it feel, by the way? You know, I started, uh, as you well remember, back in 07 when I lost a race for the Senate. Uh, Fox was my original original home, so it's, uh, it feels good to be back. Yeah, and soon you'll be in the green room and hanging out with people again and going to Christmas parties when we're allowed to do that. Uh, Congressman, <laughs> I kind of know what you thought of the speech. You you uh, you liked it, right? I did. Uh, I liked it for two reasons. I'll let you ask the question, but I liked it for two reasons. First, uh, I think the president laid out his reasons for wanting uh, the revenue spend for the country. Uh, and the second party laid it out squarely around how do we defeat autocrats and how do we defeat China? So I, I thought it was now you may not agree with all of it, but he laid it out. And I thought the, the, the you know, the competing vision laid out by Senator Scott, uh, I was pleased that it was positive, that it was idea rich as opposed to, you know, it would have to make Ronald Reagan and even Newt Gingrich um, pleased to hear someone offer ideas. Let's have a competition there as opposed to competitions around how do we, you know, make it harder for people to vote. I like idea competitions. And we heard one last night. So this has got to, since you're a business person too, after you uh, left the Congress, you didn't hang out. You didn't, you, you didn't become a pundit or a lobbyist. You went to business. You was, went to Wall Street, came to New York, and did quite well. And it looks like corporations are being vilified. Republicans shouldn't go to bat for corporations. I mean, they've left them at the doorstep. You've seen that. It's pretty clear. But they say now the, the total that Joe Biden is asking for is $6.3 trillion in 100 days. The latest one is a family plan which inside the numbers of the family plan of the $1.8 trillion, $200 billion for universal preschool. Don't we have that with Head Start? $109 billion for free community college. As we all know, to go to community college is affordable. There are grants. I've seen it before with people who are in adverse financial conditions, let alone things you can earn. If you give something some for free, they very, feel, very rarely feel like they have value. And now $225 billion for paid leave, $225 billion for child care assistance. Do you really believe this is the federal government's role? You know, I, I do, Brian, in, in, in big part. I, I think that we can we can debate, and I would probably agree with you around some of these things, that we should trim some of it. But I think I, I, I drill down on two. I think you look at, at high school education today, so many applications for jobs ask what level of education you had. And there's an expectation that you go past college. I mean, go past, excuse me, high school. I listened to the president last night. He said, look, to, to beat China, 
12 years is not enough. We need it to be 16. We need to have two on the very front end. The data shows that that early childhood and Head Start is really, as you know, aimed largely at, at poor families. Uh, this is an effort to ensure that middle class families who oftentimes face the same kind of difficulty and hardship providing child care and not just child care, but some sort of education enrichment. And then to put two years on the back end of that, what I hope is that. Uh, companies like the big tech companies who oftentimes locate their tech manufacturing, their, 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 men, their engineering manufacturing, which is kind of a low-level engineering program. If, if you listen to Tim Cook and, and Benoff talk about this, if we could have two years required here at our community colleges and the curriculums could be geared and organized around ensuring that people can get that next level of job, I think it's a good thing. Should we debate it? Without question. Second, we've won the Cold War in the 20th century because it was, it was an ideological battle between us and Russia. We spent trillions in real-day dollars, and we won. The war we face now is an economic war. It's an economic Cold War. China's trying to line up and sign up countries that want their economic help to help them build out infrastructure, and China's doing that to win their support in an economic battle. For us to win the 21st century, we're going to have to spend. We've got to be smart about it. It's going to take collaboration. I said last night on TV, I think ideas and unity make America the best. Having one of those, we do well. Having both, we win. We've got to find ways to build, I think, bipartisan support around these ideas because that's the only way that makes these ideas sustainable and allows us to win as a nation. So I'm a little more, I'm more positive about, it, a little right. more bullish on. And I might add, the stock market this morning is at an all-time high. After all of this talk about spending, the S&P 500, Nasdaq, and the Dow are soaring. Apple and Facebook this morning reported blowout numbers. So I hope and believe they will continue. And in fact, I think the Biden plan will help them, help them continue because we'll produce more workers more qualified workers and more educated workers. But you, you, the whole thing of this is a way to do it, I don't know anybody that can't afford a community college because they provide aid. If you can, you actually want more for Pell Grant money, and then you want to pay for a community college, which by design is affordable. You do well. There's so many colleges you can go to with a scholarship, especially in this environment. That whole thing of giving people something for free. Is, is so maddening to me because America is made up of competition. You win, you lose, but you compete. That competition breeds success as a nation. And what they've done is with that second stimulus plan and the $1,400 and $300 supplemental, people are not working. 42% of small businesses say they cannot hire. And then John Taffer joins me, just said the same thing he's finding in Las Vegas, just did a show on it. Uh, Tillman Fertitta owns over 500 restaurants and casinos. He can't staff and hotels. He can't staff any one individual. And then these two average business owners joined me on Fox and Friends yesterday. I never thought, you know, that I'd have uh, to compete with the government. We need to move on. <laughs> we we have jobs available. We need to just, you know, um, stop what we have with the over incentivizing. We need to get people into jobs. Otherwise, what's going to happen is there's going to be small businesses perhaps like myself, that's just not going to be able to make it. And what am I going to do? I'm going to contribute to unemployment. Uh, we're down about 25% as far as the pre-pandemic employees that we had. We'll hire someone and pretty much just say, do you have any friends that want a job at the time? Like, they're hired too. Like, can you start today? The server makes $28 an hour and the bars in, in, in the high 40s. And we still can't find somebody to come fill these spots. So that's um, something that's very, very frustrating for us. So, so, you know, these are real-world stories. He overspent. He flooded the zone after getting $900 billion. He, he just jammed down $2.3 trillion, and these companies can't stand up now that the pandemic's going away. 
So this recalibration and this resetting, it, it's going to—it could be a little bumpy and could be some tension here, and we'll have to work through these issues. And I'm, I'm a believer like you, Brian. If we have to make adjustments to policies, we'll have to. If the Fed has to act, I trust that they will to make supply to, to lessen supply to change some of these things. It's hard for me though to comprehend how anyone could think that an additional $1,400. If you add up the amount of money the, the the average worker has gotten and you round up since the pandemic, it's anywhere between eight to ten thousand dollars on the high end, maybe as high as eleven thousand. It's hard to imagine someone can retire on eleven thousand dollars. Is there a moment in the economy where the equilibrium is a little bit off? Maybe. And is it in favor of Main Street and guys and women who are earning middle class dollars? Probably. Frankly, I hope it is because the guys on the top end, I would remind you, the six hundred richest Americans. The 600 richest billionaires, which is an amazing thing to say they're richest billionaires because there are others who are not included in that who are billionaires, their net worth went up $4.1 trillion. I don't begrudge them one bit, so I'm not going to begrudge a hardworking construction worker or a hardworking waiter or a hardworking bartender who got an additional $7,000 during the pandemic who may be saying I'm going to take an extra week or two off before I go back to work. Uh, that's not going to hurt the American economy in any long-term way. And again, the recalibration and the reset, we should come back and revisit this if this problem turns out to be long-term. It's till September. So just by the way, it's not, Congressman, it's just um, it, it's till September, and he wants to extend it again past September. And that's what hurts the little guy. And I will say this. You know 49% of the country pays no income taxes. Yeah, and I, uh, the billionaires, maybe they can pay more, but how much more? Do you want in New York, uh, Congressman, if you stay here, if everything goes, you, they're going to be taking $6 from you for every 10 you make. Are you okay with that? Look, the billionaires and, and so forth, uh, people oftentimes talk about, no, no, I don't want to pay any more taxes than I have to. But if you demonstrate to me that paying my fair share is going to increase the overall share so I can earn more, I'd be supportive of it. If you can't do that, Brian, I'd agree with you. And I think the president, he, he started the speech out saying, these are my ideas and proposals. I welcome yours, and let's sit down at the table. I think if we can all agree on what we want to get to at the end, which is a stronger America, an America that beats, competes, and beats China in the 21st century, then we can start from there. Again, that's why I enjoyed Senator Scott's speech last night. It was positive. It laid out a vision, and it's, it's a starting point for both sides to be able to sit down. I will say this. For those who complain about the 49 percent of people who don't pay taxes, i got to tell you, I'm part of the 51 percent that do. And that 49 percent, they still pay Social Security and Medicare taxes. They, they pay they, – it comes out of their, their, their check every, every week or every two weeks or a month. i tell you this. I wouldn't trade my deal for their deal. So all the people who say they don't pay any taxes – Trade with them. I promise you the 49 percent that aren't paying what you say is the fair share would gladly pay the share on the other side well, for those who are I, I think I money. think you're you mis, misinterpreted my emphasis. My emphasis is no, no. don't I, don't vilify the people that are paying like they're the problem. I, 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 I've had no – there's people – and when I would sit in class, and people listen to me right now, we always sit in class. We notice that the girl or, or, or a guy that is just so much smarter than you, and you go, wow, man, if this person gets a job, I, you know, this person starts a business, I want to work for them. There are certain people that are smarter, more savvy, more resourceful, and then they open up businesses. They become very successful. They hire other people. They train under other people. They make offshoots. That's the way it works. I don't resent people that are smarter, better, and richer than me. I fear that this country is starting to resent those people, and speeches like last night feed into that. Am I wrong? I, I did, I, Brian, I know where you're coming from, and I didn't mean to lump you with that, with that group. I was only saying that I think people who, who the, the most ingenious people, the most creative people, the most dynamic thinkers and entrepreneurs 
are blessed. We're blessed to have so many of them here, and we let many of them into our country uh, to come in or help grow. I don't mean to take anything away from them, but what I don't see when people argue that these ideas are going to they're going to rob from the country and rob from that group. When I say rob, rob from their enthusiasm and hurt their ability to grow. You need nothing. Need do no more than turn on Fox Business Network this morning and see how the economy continues to grow. The market is not afraid of ideas that will help bolster and grow it. It is afraid of ideas that will help shrink it and hurt it. And if we all, I'm a market-based guy. The market is saying we can handle this. So you we know more about the market, market than me, Congressman. But you no, know no, that we'll come. But but but, I, I but, watch but Fox Business. <laughs> no, I know. But but I'm just saying that it grew 6.4 percent. But that has everything to do with the fact that we told our a year ago today we told everyone to go home and stop working and stop traveling, and now we're telling them to start traveling and start go, and going to work. That has everything to do with it. And but we are seeing lumber. And goods and gas all go up, and I think we'll feel that down the line. We're about to see. But I do want to get you to weigh in with Tim Scott. We understand that social media has just taken down the hashtag uh, Uncle Tim that was trending all night because he's a Republican who gave a speech last night. And I saw you. You thought it was very good. I thought you, you gave it high marks. Here's, a, here's a, what he said that I think got this thing trending. Cut 20. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. So concepts like that and statements like that, while giving his biography for people who never heard of him, which a lot of people outside Washington haven't, that he grew up single parent, divorced family, mom was hard in her luck, worked two or three jobs, he was not a great student, was mentored by a, a guy who actually was a manager, at fi, uh, fi, owned a uh, uh, fish fillet, and ends up mentoring, taking interest in him. With that, he ends up going to college, ends up becoming a senator, where his dad was, uh, you know, uh, picking cotton and owned, and, owned, uh, and owned land. Evidently, the Washington Post has a problem with that. So did you have a problem with his message? Are you upset about hashtag Uncle Tim? Look, social media can be vicious. Uh, I've been I've been victimized by it wrongly. Uh, Tim Scott's a, a grown up and will be able to take it. I think his ideas uh, and his substance and his message. I don't agree with every bit of it, but I enjoyed every bit of it. I think it in the comp in the, in the world of competition. Uh, in business and politics and academia, serious people like to compete against ideas and like to compete against a vision that may be counter to theirs or different than theirs. Uh, Tim Scott, on a very personal level, there's something about him I like. I don't know him. He strikes me as a very decent, uh, honorable guy uh, and someone who, like me, believes deeply and relies deeply on my faith. So, so on those three levels, just, there's just a connection. Do we differ on issues? Sure we do. Those who would resort to name-calling and resorting to taking legacy and generational uh, uh, terms to, to sling at someone who's worked his tail off, the Washington Post, shame on them for suggesting that uh, a black family in America can't own some property in 1920. handed down generations and somehow or another that disqualifies them from being – from. Uh, it's just, just silliness. So I, I, I applauded his speech last night, and I look forward to him working with Karen Bass and – Look forward to him working with Cory Booker to try to pass the police accountability bill and, and to be a big part of the Republican Party's voice going forward. I yeah. say that as a proud Democrat. Yeah, I think he might be the lead. I think he might be, he along with Governor DeSantis, might be uh, the Republicans' um, latest great hope. Uh, Congressman Harold Ford, great job last night. Thanks for joining us. 
Best to your family. Thanks. Okay, you too. one 408 I had 25 other things to ask him, but so much to talk about. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I know the CDC is just trying to cover all the bases because maybe there's a tiny chance you could get corona even if you're vaccinated. But if that messaging ends up convincing people that there's not much of a reason to get vaccinated at all, then we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And that is Trevor Noah of uh, The Daily Show. And uh, that's right. Uh, Also, there's just no danger. You tell me the danger, I'm going to take the risk. Uh, If you don't want to take the risk, don't do it. Don't treat us like children and say yes or no. I don't want to take orders. Never comfortable with it. Never will. Some of you people are emailing me throughout the show, and here it is. Uh, One comes from Jan. She says, I'm a long-term fan of the show. I totally agree with your stance. Once you're vaccinated, you cannot go uh, to COVID. But when it comes to your TV show, why are you guys not on the couch? I agree. We should be on the couch. That's not my call. Uh, Don writes this. Uh, Brian, this whole thing is about control and power, meaning why we're still under restriction. However, I do hope Pelosi uh, and Kamala uh, and Harris keep wearing masks along with the rest of the other Democrats because I don't want to hear them speak, understand, but we can still hear them muffled. Uh, Terry writes, um, Joe Biden is probably one of the most annoying people uh, that I know of. Okay, great. Uh, Jay says, I'm a 45-year-old for over 25 years. I've lived as a quadriplegic, make $650 a month. I'm about to launch a fan-owned professional football league, and I have a national sponsor that has written me a letter of intent to match $5 million, which we raised. My story is going to be published. I did it himself. He didn't ask for a government handout. I love that. Hey, listen, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate it. I want to get your responses, uh, even if we're not on the air, because so many people listen on the podcast. So when you listen to the show, how you listen to the show, go ahead and write. Go to briankillme.com. Just click on uh, where it says contact me. It'll come to my email, and hopefully I'll get a chance to uh, read it on the show. Um, Meanwhile, a lot of people write me from Texas saying we should move to Texas and move the whole show to Texas. For me, that would be a a really good idea. I wouldn't fight that. But instead, we're stuck in New York where we have curfews and we're not allowed to sit at the bar until next week without ordering food. Just some of the fun restrictions. Oh, did I mention crimes running afoul? It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We hope you had a successful night. We know that many of you stayed up to watch both addresses, not only the president of the United States, but the follow-up, and it was fantastic. It was the first one I liked for either party ever. 
Usually it's so anticlimactic, but not last night with Senator Tim Scott, especially on the Republican side where they're waiting to see what President Trump will do, but they're seeing a lot of young talent coming up to see who might be running for president. If you are making a short list on contenders to be president or at least run for that spot and don't include Tim Scott, your list is not worth much because that's how good he was. But I actually knew that already. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At 6 a.m. this morning, federal agents raided the home of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. They seized his personal property, including his electronic devices, which include all of his digital communications and records. What's interesting is the one electronic device that the FBI did not take in today's raid was a copy of Hunter Biden's hard drive. Uh, that was unbelievable. We all should be concerned about the feds. Fueled by politics is still targeting the Trump world. Their latest target, Rudy Giuliani, I'll explain. Number two. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. Is, is he out of his mind, Dr. Anthony Fauci? Will people stop booking him and stop listening to him? He is the worst saying now that kids have to wear masks on the playground. Even the CDC says they're not pulling, they're playing with each other or walking with their family. Savannah Guthrie can't even buy it. Either can the Daily Show host. Number one. We also need to make a once-in-a-generation investment in our families and our children. That's why I've introduced the American Families Plan tonight. The words of this speech sounded like what you would hear from a 15-year-old if you gave him a credit card with no credit limit on it, except the words came out of the mouth of an adult who should know better. Uh, that is Governor Chris Christie. Does a wonderful job breaking it all down. President Biden's address to a disjointed session of Congress. What did we learn? He likes to spend. What does he want to do next? He wants to spend more. Does he want to work across the aisle? Well, the same way he said he was going to do that on the inaugural I give it very little hope unless Joe Manchin makes it absolutely necessary by saying I'm not going for this spending and the infrastructure bill is way too big and the filibuster is not going anywhere. He's got that type of power. Joining us now, a man with power. Now it's time to clear the airwaves for the maestro of Fox News Sunday. Is there the Brian Kilmeade Symphony Orchestra with the big string section there? There is, uh, but with the pandemic, they, they zoom in it. So they, they practice separately. And now due to popular demand. What instrument did you play? I played the clarinet just to get the girls because girls love clarinet players. There's something about the woodwinds. <laughs> The Brian Kilmeade Show Symphony Orchestra with Brian Kilmeade sitting first chair clarinet. I could play the notes, but I couldn't do the music. That was fantastic. I particularly like the string section, the violins. The maestro of the melody and the conductor of the chords. What are you trying to play? Chris Wallace. <laughs> How great was that? You, know, I, I, you guys outdid yourselves. I, I think that may be the best ever. And I, I've just got to say, if this show, if your staff <laughs> put one one hundredth of the effort they do into the rest of the, you know, the, the, the what is it, 14 hours and 50 minutes uh, every week that they put into into these 10 minutes. I, I mean, I'm a little I'm flattered. There's no question about it. But I think you should be upset that they spend all of their time, all their money, all their effort 
on that intro. Every time I call Eric during the week, he I get voicemail. And I'm like, why? Well, he's working on Chris's Open. I said, it's Sunday. Yes. It's, uh, he's busy. <laughs> this is incredible. That was great. That uh, was very, very good. Right. And, of course, as usual, we brought up Tuscanini last week. But I want to leave that in our rearview mirror. Chris, I, why, you're trending on Twitter because you praise the President of the United States. But what they weren't trending on Twitter is you also praise Senator Tim Scott. I didn't actually praise President Biden. What I said was I think that his speech – is going to be popular. And according to the polls that were taken last night, it is popular because when you tell people, if I came in <laughs> to uh, your, your workspace and said, I'm going to give you all free stuff and here's how I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to charge other people so I can give you free stuff. Who's going to not like that? Everybody's going to like it. Uh, that's all I said is that he's saying, I'm going to give you a lot of free stuff and you're not going to have to pay for it. Uh, that's, that's a pretty great combination. Yeah, uh, well, Twitter thought you were great. You're the savior of the network. Thank goodness for uh, Chris Wallace. But they just ignored that you also had positive things to say about the actually you thought the delivery of Tim Scott's speech was great. Let me just go over what you're talking about in terms of spending. The president's rolling out. He wasn't enough the two point three trillion for his jobs plan. It wasn't enough for the one point nine trillion, which is really infrastructure. The one point nine trillion American rescue plan that's already passed. He rolled out the $1.8 trillion American family plan that will be $225 billion for child care assistance, $225 billion for paid leave, $109 billion for free community college, and $200 billion for free universal preschool. From sea to shining sea, the checks are going to be written from Washington. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that people love this because they know it's not practical. Well— uh, as I said, people like free stuff. I, I will say this, and, and I'm, look, I'm not endorsing his plan. I, I'm actually kind of staggered by it. We're talking about, will you add all of that up? Rescue plan, jobs plan, family plan, $6 trillion he wants to pass this year with $4 trillion in new taxes. I mean, even, even in Washington, that's a whole lot of money. And, and so far beyond anything that, that uh, I mean, Barack Obama at the depths of the Great Recession, uh, talked about $800 billion I know. In, in a stimulus package. That's pocket change. Uh, Joe Biden, you'd find that under the cushions and the couch as compared to $6 trillion. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of astonished, and we'll see whether they pass it or, or not. I, I will tell you, I was part of a small group, seven people, that has spent an hour with the president. He is deadly serious earnest about this he's he says he wants to compromise and he's going to call in congressional leaders starting uh, this week next week and, and i think he's serious about that the question is compromise on who whose terms and i don't get the impression that he's talking about uh, I, I think he's he's going to make them an offer that they can't accept republicans i just think that that uh, he wants a whole lot more money and a whole lot more in taxes than republicans can stomach no question. But the key is Joe Manchin. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And they could be as tough as they can and hardline and partisan as they want. If you don't have Manchin or cinema, or in the case of immigration, uh, Mark Kelly is speaking out against the administration saying the border is in chaos. You and I know that. They won't acknowledge it. But here's what Joe Manchin said yesterday. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. That makes, you very, makes me very uncomfortable. You're going to have to find how you're going to pay for it, you know, and are we going to be able to be competitive and be able to pay for that, what we need as a country. We've got to figure out what our needs are and maybe make some adjustments. 
So I think he, part of the calculation on the part of this administration, and I think there's some truth to this, is that because, look, we went through a long period, decades, the whole Roosevelt period uh, up through Lyndon Johnson, the Great Society, big federal spending, big programs, and, and because, among other things, of the Depression and then World War II and people feeling, you know, I, I need government help. Uh, then we went through a period of 30, 40 years, starting with Ronald Reagan, where, as he said, government isn't the solution. Government is the problem. I, the calculation that that uh, Biden is making and Pelosi is making and Schumer is making is that because of covid, because of the pandemic, because of the, the you know, the, the dislocation on the public health sense and in the economic sense, that people are looking to government for help again, and that if they give them things that are going to improve their lives. I mean, just take one example where I actually think he's on the right side. Child care. How many <clears throat> parents, when their kids couldn't go back to school, uh, particularly women, uh, unfair as that may have been, were, were basically held hostage at home because they couldn't get child care for their kids? Well, now the idea of, of uh, you know, an, a, a tax credit for child care sounds pretty attractive, I suspect, to a lot of people couple of things. You're missing the bigger point, Chris. The bigger point is why, why are those kids not in school? Because they're not in states where, they, where the unions overwhelm the politicians and the president not including, I want these kids back in school. I gave you a ton of money, spent a lot of capital, literally political capital and actual capital. And now the unions who are donating to Democrats at a dizzying rate are not being called out for that. So I wouldn't say get the women daycare. So they can go back to the jobs. I say get the get the kids back in school. That's the story. Well, I, I you're I think you're you're half right, and that's a better presenter than usual. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as long as we're going to be snarky to each other, uh, obviously part of this is schools, and you're absolutely right. They need to get kids back in school. But you know, there was a child care crisis in this country long before COVID ever came, and there are an awful lot of people. I mean, I I see this frankly with my staff. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, maybe Allison has this issue, but you don't care about your staff. When when you've got young kids, childcare is frightfully expensive. It costs as much as sending a kid to, to a private school in a lot of cases. And, you know, I think people do need help with childcare. States also provide this. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just cannot believe they were going to be writing all these checks in Washington to uh, small farms in Montana and Wisconsin, I never thought that that would be effective. I see the way motor vehicles working on a state level and the way the federal programs are working. How do we ever think they're going to be running efficiently, especially when it comes to these checks? But I want you to hear a little bit from Tim Scott. This is what uh, this is what was trending on Twitter. Hashtag Uncle Tim and Twitter finally took it down, saying that was generated by the consumers, not by them. They didn't start it. I never thought they did, but they took it down. And here he is talking about it. Intolerance so often comes from the left with words like Uncle Tim and the N-word being used against me by the left. And last night what was trending in social media was Uncle Tim. And they doubled down on this concept of liberal oppression. It is stunning in 2021 that those who speak about ending discrimination want to end it by more discrimination. So that was his response to it. It's hard to rattle him, but he says he's experiencing it. And now that he's speaking out as a conservative, he's getting backlash from, uh, you would assume, people in Democrats or in the black community. I, I think it's outrageous. And, and there is no question, this is a perfectly legitimate criticism 
of the left is they play the race card too often. I'm not saying that race isn't an issue. It is. And it's a serious problem in the country. But, you know, he espouses a certain point of view. And I thought he did a terrific job in his speech. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he... <laughs> It's like uh, some some people on the left agree and want freedom of choice except in thought, and the idea that a black man might be a conservative is offensive to them. It's it's like the situation in Columbus with that policeman who shot the, the girl who was about to stick a knife in another girl, uh, and it, that was immediately called police violence. No, it wasn't. It was a policeman saving a young girl's life. And there's plenty of stuff that's legitimate to criticize, but this knee-jerk reaction, if you – you know, if, if you're a conservative black person, you're uh, an Uncle Tom, or mm. if a policeman shoots somebody, uh, it has to be police violence rather than a police person doing their job. Uh, that, that's not healthy for the country. You were, and many people were critical of President Trump, wear a mask, you know, that there's too many positive cases in the White House, shows you don't care enough about the virus. When I watched last night, there was no reason for those, for that place to be virtually empty the reverse shots seen around the world shows America cowering. And if you listen to the CDC guidance, the speaker and vice president shouldn't even have had masks on. So what a bad message. To, instead of saying, look what happens when you're vaccinated, look what happens when you're scared to death or trying to prolong a crisis. What did Chris Wallace and his family take from the messaging of the empty seats and the masks plenty? Well, first of all, I don't— <laughs> I don't take messaging from what happens there. I make up my own mind. I disagree you with you on this. I think that, uh, you know, I, 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 I really get worried when people in our jobs decide they're going to, you know, you don't have a medical degree. Neither does, uh, you know, do the people who were on Fox News talking about, first of all, it seems to me there was enough to talk about last night. We didn't need to talk about masks. The president talked about $4 trillion in spending. Secondly, I'm not sure. I mean, you had these two people right next to each other. Yes. Uh, Kamala Harris. He and said the CDC, Chris, and said you don't have to. Indoors. Indoors. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know. What? You're, you, you're you, offended by that. As far as I'm concerned, if, if that makes people feel safe. Uh, and if they think that it's important to sort of send a message to the country, wear a mask. And don't listen to the indoors. CDC. It wasn't like they were outdoors in a— Right. Chris, in, I got one a, thing for you to stadium. hear because I want you armed for your show on Sunday. I feel responsible to get you ready. Listen to this. Yes, Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Don't ask me to listen to the science, and when I listen to the science and live my life, no, to that, stop that, listening to the science. That is completely misleading, Brian. I but, mean, the fact is that she, they also said yeah, this week, this week when they said if you're outside, you don't have to wear a mask. They said when you're inside, you do have to wear a mask. And we know there are cases, because there's only 95 percent, they call them breakthrough cases, where people who have been vaccinated still get the virus. Chris, so, the polio vaccine 70 percent effective. Did you get polio today? But but maybe somebody did. And the fact is, so if I were if I were that, let me tell you, if I were sitting that close to you as, as Kamala and Nancy were to each other, I'd wear a mask. Even though we're vaccinated. Yes. Oh, I would wear a mask. You're never going to get out of this, Chris. You're going to live your life in a mask. Thanks so no, much. I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I'll tell you what would help. And I wish we were spending more time talking about this than talking about uh, about, you know, whether or not Nancy Pelosi wore a mask. 
people need to get vaccinated. I'm sure there are a lot of people yep. on your uh, that are in your listening group who don't or aren't having. Go ahead and do it, and then wear a mask anyway. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Who's running messaging at the CDC? Huh? First they said, masks make us less safe. Oh, don't wear a mask. Then they said, masks make us more safe. And now, according to this new chart, masks can make you not safe again? In fact, this whole chart is trash. Yeah, I said it. Oh, yeah, like that's on the edge. That's a big statement for him because he's on a left-wing network. But there's more and more people who are parents first before they're anchors and reporters that are just fed up. They don't believe what they're hearing. They hear contradictory information. And it's not a matter of going to a bar or restaurant. You know what it's a matter of? Going to school, quality of life, getting on the field, going to getting back in the classroom, being able to uh, do you see your kids' a behavior change. Hey, Allison, do, do your kids wear masks? The one-year-olds? No. No, Richard. Um, they don't, right? No, he doesn't. Where he goes to school, they, he doesn't have to. Um, if they're gonna outside their pods, they are they should, but they don't have to. Like he's, I'm not gonna get some letter that Richard's not putting on his mask. And so, is, is some parents upset by that? I don't. I mean, it's a it's a preschool. It's a Chris's point that I'm paying far too much for, but it's a great preschool. Um, but I think that was the policy when you signed your kid up, so you shouldn't be upset. You know what you're paying for. So when we come back. Thank you for the real world comments, uh, and those are real. Those aren't scripted. That is Allison's Real Life and Decisions. Uh, Senator Bill Haggerty is going to be next. He's uh, out of Tennessee. He wants to weigh in on what he saw last night and the threat of big tech. Do you know what big tech did? They took an interview with Dan Bongino and President Trump and wouldn't post it. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Intolerance so often comes from the left with words like Uncle Tim and the N-word being used against me by the left. And last night, what was trending in social media was Uncle Tim. And they doubled down on this concept of liberal oppression. It is stunning in 2021 that those who speak about ending discrimination want to end it by more discrimination. Uh, That is Senator Tim Scott coming off his speech last night. He added some of that into his speech, but then by the time he was done, and he, by the way, anyone who knows uh, public speaking or politicians or anyone would think he did a great job. He mixed in biography with what Joe Biden said, so he was reacting to it, where he went over what we did accomplish over the last four years as a country under the Trump administration, including Operation Warp Speed. And then you add to that where he thinks the country should be going and, and the problem with all the spending And then as soon as he's done starting to trend on Twitter, and I saw it last night and I saw it this morning, was hashtag Uncle Tim. Now we understand Twitter has taken that down after 11 hours. They said this, I can confirm that we are blocking the phrase you referenced from appearing in trends. This is the line with our policies on trends. We want trends to promote healthy conversations on Twitter. And they say that the Uncle Tim was entirely human curated, meaning it wasn't a trend generated by the top trends for you. That's an algorithm feature. Does that make you feel better? Senator Bill Haggerty, doesn't me, Senator Bill Haggerty joins us now out of Tennessee. Big tech is a big part of his, uh, about his focus. But first, Senator, thanks for joining us. 
It's great to be back with you, Brian. Thank you. So, Senator, I want to get to big tech. Obviously, there's no hotter topic or more worthy of newsworthy topic in the country. But what did you think of President Biden's speech? What did you get for the 64 minutes? Well, you know, I, I was there in the chamber locked down. Uh, it really was a bad visual. And I watched it open up as uh, President Biden took credit for a rebound in our economy. And I'm sitting there thinking it's only possible because of the policies that President Trump in, put in place in Operation Warp Speed. But again, he took credit for somebody else's work. We've heard this before from President Biden, going all the way back to his days in school. That's plagiarism by any other term. Uh, but it was just then a litany of one crisis after the other. Yet he didn't talk about the border crisis, which is the biggest crisis we face right now until the very end of his speech. And he said, well, if we believe that's a crisis, then we're going to have to vote for his bill for amnesty. I mean, it was just pathetic. And he billed this as a blue-collar blueprint. <laughs> what it was, it was a blue-collar jobs killer. First, I want to bring you to immigration. You just brought us to immigration. So here's what President Biden said about immigration. Cut eight. For more than 30 years, politicians have talked about immigration reform, and we've done nothing about it. It's time to fix it. On day one of my presidency, I kept my commitment and sent a comprehensive immigration bill to the United States Congress. If you believe we need to secure the border, pass it, because it has a lot of money for high-tech border security. If you believe in a pathway to citizenship, pass it. It's over 11 million undocumented folks, the vast majority of here, overstaying visas. All right, it sounds like he was running out of gas there, but yes. well, so why not pass it? It sounds great. Listen, what this is going to do is create even more incentive for chaos at the border because he's talking about amnesty. And he rolls right from that into his conversation about, uh, about voting rights. So I think it's pretty clear. They're just trying to create a turnstile at the border. And as they process people as rapidly as they can and dump them into the interior of the United States, they're making every town a border town in America. No question. He mentions if you want border security, we have high-tech border money. What are you talking about? We've already paid – for a wall to be built, a fence, whatever you want to call it, do whatever's politically uh, possible for Joe Biden to do, say the money's already there. We're paying people not to work. That's what happens when you break the contract. And the wall's been made. So if he was serious, he knows this issue backwards and forwards. Secure the border first or Republicans are never going to pay attention, nor should they. I think it's encouraging that Senator Mark Kelly is pointing out the crisis at the border that the administration is ignoring. He knows he's not getting reelected unless they fix it for Arizona, correct? That's absolutely right. And to see you know, President Biden talking in this manner, there's something called the Impoundment Act, Brian. What Biden has done is actually violated the Impoundment Act. Uh, Congress has already appropriated the funds for that wall to be built. It's not the executive branch's role to come in and, and, and undo that. I mean, we saw President Trump go through an impeachment trial because of just that thing regarding funds to the Ukraine. President Trump was accused of holding that up. Biden is holding up the funds to build that wall. We need it now more than ever. He's proving that. And instead, and it's interesting, Mark Kelly's even acknowledging that in Arizona because he will never get reelected if, if this crisis continues. But this is a, a crisis of Biden's own making. But I think there's a lot of intent to it, again, because he's trying to flood the nation uh, and, and really change the shape of America. Senator, there's another story uh, that I think is a pretty big deal. Is If you look at Senator Warnock and shocking the world and winning by a couple of points uh, in that election to get that seat for two more years, he's going to be up in 2022. Where's the Republican challenger? A lot of people are wondering why Republicans don't see that as an opportunity to take back the Senate. I think it's a huge opportunity to take the Senate back. And I know that Tim Scott, 
I'm sorry, the, Rick Scott. I was just thinking about Tim because uh, the piece you just played. Tim, by the way, did a great job last night. But Senator Rick Scott has been uh, working very hard to put the pieces in place to retake not only Georgia but several other seats. And we're going to have to put a full court press on in that state. Great candidates uh, are, are, are possible. Uh, we just got to get them to come out and, and be ready to run against Warnock. I think Warnock is very vulnerable, and I think we ought to be able to win that seat Do you back. think that Herschel Walker is a viable candidate? I think he's polling great right now. Um, I think if Herschel Walker decides to get into the race, uh, he'd be formidable. I don't know what he's, you know, where his mind is today about that, but uh, I, I know the polls say that he could be extremely, extremely formidable for Sen- to run. Senator, uh, just to play into what you're talking about, you want to say goodbye to Section 230 that gives all these big tech companies protections they don't deserve. Uh, there's some perils with that, though. If they say they've got to be sued, maybe they're not going to put in anything that could possibly get them sued, therefore not getting access to anybody that they deem dangerous. But having said that, the latest reason why I think you have to pass something is Donald Trump did an interview with Dan Bongino. Do you know they would not post that interview on YouTube? The former president of the United States, arguably the most famous person in the world. It's amazing. They'll, they'll suppress the speech of the most important leader in America and the, one of the most famous people in the world, as you say, Brian. Yet they will continue to allow Ayatollah Khomeini to post on their networks uh, you know, how, how to death Israel and how to go about doing it. You know, they'll, they'll allow the New York Post article on Hunter Biden to be taken down. I mean, this is out of control. And it needs to be addressed, as you say, and that's why I introduced my 21st Century Free Speech Act to combat this censorship by big tech. So tell me what it sounds, what, how it reads. Well, what it does in the first instance is it eliminates Section 230. What it does is looks at these companies as what they are today. They are functioning like common carriers. We regulate telephone companies. We regulate, uh, you know, railroads. What we want to make certain of is that this modern-day public square becomes more accountable to the public and allows equal access to all Americans, a non-discriminatory access, and it prohibits these entities from censoring using their own political bias. So what, uh, you know, I think the most egregious example is the Hunter Biden story. There's no, on no planet, on no era, is that not a story in America? And they decided to take it down, and if you were to try to retweet it, they would, uh, their, cut, their, uh, their account would be suspended. And then they said, oops, I'm sorry, I apologize. But the election was over by the time they apologized. So for that, for you, is that when the rubber hit the road? Oh, that was just amazing. But I, I tell you, you know, I spent in, in my, my prior job before coming to the United States Senate, I was United States ambassador to Japan. And I dealt every day with uh, China, what they were doing there. This is more something you would expect from the Chinese Communist Party suppressing their citizens than to be coming from Silicon Valley. So, indeed, I think that, that this, this has been the breaking point, the 2020 election and the involvement of these big tech companies in a way that uh, really showed their political bias and their aggressiveness. Uh, th- this, is, this is something that the American public realizes. They appreciate. They want to see action taken, and I'm ready to do it. So are you worried about taking away uh, the protections that 230 allows will make them so cautious they'll decide that Republican speech is too dangerous to publish? I think the best thing for them to do is step back and to allow uh, the American people to decide what they want to learn, what they want to believe, and what they want to read. However, if there's only one Facebook and Twitter and they're not, there's no viable competitor since they buy up their competitors from YouTube and Google uh, to Instagram and Facebook, don't they still have the, don't they still have the power and the leverage? They, they still have a tremendous amount of power and leverage. That's why they should be treated as common carriers. 
They also need to, to, to the, the standards that they have today are extremely opaque. I think they make it up as they go along, depending on how the political winds shift. Again, I, I'm loath to, to look for regulation as the solution to anything, Brian. But when you have entities like these, private entities evolve into what really has become the modern-day public square. They really do look like common carriers. Justice Thomas made this point clear in a recent opinion, and I was inspired by that opinion, and I thought, you know, this is the right approach. Senator Bill Haggerty with us. Senator, just tell me who's on the bill with you. Have any Democrats expressed interest? We we have, have not put the bill forward to bring a lot of to, – to, to bring other senators on at this point. We've just introduced it. Um, Democrats have privately expressed interest to me. Uh, we'll see if we'll be able to get them on the bill and really move it forward. But I think Democrats have the same concern that Republicans do. They know that the tide can turn uh, as quickly as it does, and they'll wind up becoming the victim of censorship just as easily. But there's almost no examples, including of LeBron James, who said you're next to a cop of Democrats and liberals or Hollywood stars being suspended. Can you give me an example? Well, there's you know, no there's no motivation for Democrats to help you with this. They've certainly benefited from it so far. You're, you're exactly right about that. And again, that shows the political bias that's rampant. But the danger is there. And I hope that I'll be able to persuade some of my Democrat colleagues to look beyond the immediate benefit that they have and to think about our nation and to think about what's best for America and to really preserve the First Amendment and the freedom of speech that we all say that we support, yet we see it you know, trampled on every day by some of these big tech companies that decide to opaquely censor what we're saying. Another example of what's happening in the global community. Facebook temporarily hid posts calling for the resignation of Indian Prime Minister Modi, uh, marking the platform's latest foray into a series of controversial decisions affecting free, free speech in this country, but now beyond our borders. I mean, what the heck are they doing? Well, I think what they're doing is, is building global awareness of the problem. And you know, if, if they've got problems here in America... India is a much more populous country than America. Uh, I've had the benefit of, of meeting Prime Minister Modi. Uh, I know he's very popular in India. And, and there, there are folks that feel differently, though. And the ability to express your viewpoint, your opinion, I mean, Indi- India builds itself as democracy as well. And this cuts against democratic ideals in that nation, just as it does here. Senator, how close is Tennessee to opening? We are almost back in business, Brian. I mean, what President Biden should have thought about last night, uh, what he called a blue-collar blueprint really was a blue-collar jobs killer. He had a look at states like Tennessee. You know, We've become extremely successful. I was part of that. I was the Commerce Secretary when we came out of the last recession. And what we've done is have low taxes, you know, regulations that are actually friendly and conducive to business. We've created a climate in Tennessee that is positive for business. And what's happened? We've seen our, our jobs grow, our wages grow. We're one of the top-performing nations, excuse me, top-performing states in the nation. And people are moving from blue states to Tennessee because of that. Instead of talking about raising taxes on America and killing jobs, President Biden ought to look look at examples like Tennessee and say that's the path. That's the blueprint that we need. Can we drink without eating? And can I stand at a bar on Broadway in Nashville? You absolutely can, Brian. You absolutely can. I look forward to welcoming you back because we are open for business again in Tennessee. I, I I don't have to order food as of this week. But I'm allowed to. Am I allowed? Do we are we allowed to stand at a bar in New York? Do you know, Allison, Eric? No. Then I'm going to have to go to Tennessee and stand. You're going to have to come to Tennessee, right. and you're more than welcome. Senator Haggerty, good luck. You got to get this thing passed, okay? Thank you, Brian. Appreciate your help. You got it, Senator Haggerty of Tennessee. We come back. Your turn. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Our plan is to fully reopen New York City on July 1st. We are ready for stores to open, for businesses to open, offices, theaters, full strength. Because look, what we're seeing is people have gotten vaccinated in extraordinary numbers. 6.3 million vaccinations in New York City to date. We're doing a lot to reach people at the grassroots. I love this part. The American Museum of Natural History is providing free vaccinations under the blue whale. Hmm and giving away free admissions for anyone who comes, four free admissions. If you get vaccinated, go over and do it today, everyone. But look, we know the vaccination effort is going to grow and grow. we got to keep working hard at that. But what's amazing is every single day we're beating back COVID more and more. Hospitalizations Mm. down. No kidding. Uh, So the mayor says we can go back up in July. That's good news for Broadway. I think it picks up by about six more months. They could start selling tickets. But are you going to be able to sell enough tickets to sit shoulder to shoulder? Make it clear with the vaccine. And if I'm the mayor or governor, I'm getting making my own mandates with my own health experts that says I could put seven in a seat shoulder to shoulder if they're vaccinated. They're going to have to decide in private business. And I know people have don't want vaccination cards or a vaccination passport. I understand that. I also know, too, uh, if you have a vaccine, you're not going to transfer it. Almost no put no person. There's no percentage point uh, transfer. It's not even one percent chance going to transfer it. So you're not going to get it either. So figure out what you're going to do, but do not tell me I can open up on Broadway half full. They did the math. You can't exist on Broadway half full. Can you open up a theater and say half full? Got to do the math. Not going to do it. Don't open up in Midtown a bar restaurant. You're not getting enough people. Do the math. Remember, we went out to lunch on Monday with uh, the great uh, the great management of 77 WABC. Nobody was in the restaurant on Monday. I have never experienced that. I've been at this job 24 years coming into Manhattan since I was probably 17. I've never been in a restaurant without anybody else there. It was ever. like you rented out the whole place. Yeah. So you can't open up and then have no people. So you got to do everything or nothing. Real quick on New York. Governor Cuomo, this story came out in the New York Times. Governor Cuomo knew about the nursing homes on his March 25th decree that cost the lives of 15,000. He knew the number came up. His chief of staff, Melissa DeRosa, knew about that number. And they made sure that Howard Zucker was not able to publish the real number. That is the health director here. They put out the number at 6,000. Then they rescind the order and say infected patients still go back to nursing homes. And uh, they do that in May. So this terrible order caused 80% of the deaths among seniors, and Governor Cuomo avoids it, writes a book, gets multi-million dollar book advance to do it. Most of his staff writes the book for him. Nine accusers come out and say sexual harassment. He calls them liars and, um, and essentially publicity hounds, to summarize what he said. And he's still got a job. He does. I mean, even though Mayor de Blasio has said it multiple times before, he did it again. He called for him to resign. Right. So does Schumer, so did Gillibrand. Let's find out there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Well, Crocs sales hit an all-time high. I've never worn Crocs. I hear they're astoundingly comfortable. They don't look great. 
But guess what? Croc sales skyrocketed 64% to $460 million in the last quarter, stopping in March, with profits at $98.4 million. I guess people are not wearing loafers and shoes, right? I guess so, but I will also say, even though you think of the ugly Crocs, they actually make really good kids' shoes. Okay, good idea, and easy on and off. Hasbro to raise prices on toys and games as costs surge. This is what I'm talking about. Things like lumber, things like groceries, things like toys. It's crazy. If you're doing renovations on your house, like the builders can't give you an estimate until you sign the contract because lumber's going up like by the day. Monopoly costs more. Millennial parents say 2020 made them rethink how to raise their kids. 72% say COVID-19 in particular helped them become more compassionate as a parent. 73% are prioritizing the little moments they share with the children more than ever. Uh, two and three, 64% plan to practice what they preach so their children learn from their example. Almost half deciding to increase how much they give to charity. Oh, well, that's a positive. Yeah, this is a good news poll for millennials. They seem to get it. Are like you nicer now as a parent? I hope so, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine people getting shorter tempered, especially. There's some days, an hour's a long time. Back in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. I know it's rude to talk about other people when other people are actually in the studio, but we have Senator Lindsey Graham coming up a little bit later. And I have Kennedy here. If you're watching on Fox Nation, you can see Kennedy's actually in studio. I don't say that. I've said that three times, I think, in all of, three times in all of 2021, and maybe in 2020, twice. So uh, Kennedy's here. She's getting set to host her show. And it's coming up any minute. In eight hours. Outnumbered, too. I'll be on the couch. Oh, really? The virtual couch. It's not quite a couch yet. We're getting there. Right. Baby steps. I believe, should I even mention this? Mm -hmm. Fox and Friends is going to be on the couch very, very soon. Holy cow. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's find out if there's more to know. No, excuse me. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At 6 a.m. this morning, federal agents raided the home of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. They seized his personal property, including his electronic devices, which include all of his digital communications and records. What's interesting is the one electronic device that the FBI did not take in today's raid was a copy of Hunter Biden's hard drive. Fascinating. Oh, by the way, Tucker is going to be interviewing Rudy tonight. We all should be concerned as the feds fueled by politics is targeting the Trump world. The latest target, Rudy Giuliani. They raided his house, but as you just heard, Hunter Biden's laptop was sitting there. They had no interest in it. Kennedy. Was it labeled Hunter's laptop? More. How many how many computers does he have in his house? I said one word because I got two more things to oh, say. Okay, sorry. Number two. Out a bunch of other stuff? kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. Please get rid of him. Mask madness. Stating the most overrated 
stated by the most overrated American in the nation, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is getting closer to jumping the shark. The mass media beginning to get it is get it now, especially when it comes to kids. While the administration seems dead set on staying us, keeping us in a perpetual state of COVID crisis. Meanwhile, where is the insistence that teachers unions compromise and the president demand the teachers get back to the classrooms? One word. No. Number one. We also need to make a once-in-a-generation investment in our families and our children. That's why I've introduced the American Families Plan tonight. The words of this speech sounded like what you would hear from a 15-year-old if you gave him a credit card with no credit limit on it, except the words came out of the mouth of an adult who should know better. Wow, so well put, Governor Christie. President uh, Biden addresses a disjointed session of Congress. What did we learn? He likes to spend. What does he want to do next? Spend more. What's the fictional pledge? To work across the aisle. Meanwhile, the Republicans rebuttaled by Tim Scott, remarkably clear, concise, and effective. And it's the first time I ever said that for a rebuttal from either party. An in-depth analysis coming your way. First off, am I wrong? Kennedy, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Am I wrong to be impressed with Senator Tim Scott's speech? No, absolutely not. I thought it was great. Am I saying, am I caught up? In the emotion of the speech, and so the, how different it was. It was crafted. It was autobiographical, looking forward, yet it was also summarizing four years of Trump. Yes, and it, there was a lot more in there than I thought there was going to be. I also thought the uh, the address to Congress was going to focus mostly on police reform, and I thought that's where Tim Scott's rebuttal would come from. But Tim Scott made a very interesting point, and in that it, now Democrats are saying that the Senate filibuster is a Jim Crow relic. Yet they used the Senate filibuster to uh, squash his legislation on police reform. And um, and then they Uncle Tim was trending on Twitter. Like 96,000 times or something For 11 like that. hours before Twitter disabled the hashtag. Well, um, I thought he was tremendous. But you know who didn't? Every Democrat on other channels cut 17. The messenger was great. But the message was nonsense. <laughs> This is a speech delivered from a planet where facts don't matter, which is where the current Republican Party resides. But he lost a lot of African-Americans. He said, America is not a racist nation. But Tim Scott, who has, who's trying to have a slightly different brand, um, it, didn't, it didn't really seem to fit for him. It's, it, I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. I, his audience, to me, appeared to be conservative uh, white Republicans who are angry over certain things. I, I am I am shocked and a bit embarrassed for him. This was a lost opportunity. Tim Scott has an opportunity to make his mark on criminal justice reform, and this ain't going to do it. This wasn't it. So Joy Reid is trying to dictate the lane that Tim Scott can reside in. Uh, how limiting is that? That is utter nonsense, and it just goes to show the fact that he touched on more points than criminal justice reform. Um, he's a versatile politician. He didn't uh, he didn't have any gaffes. And normally the, the people who rebut the president's speech, whether it's a State of the Union or a joint address as this was, uh, normally there's like a gaffe or two or, or some way they fall apart. That didn't happen with Tim Scott, which makes him an even bigger threat. Here is Tim Scott talking about race. He did it a couple of times, talked about his own background, talked about experiences that he's had in this country, not favorable, followed around department stores, and he also had situations where he feels he got pulled over too much. Cut 19. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. 
And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. I mean, I have nothing but admiration for that whole passage. 43 seconds made total, made total sense. Everything is about skin color now. Everything you read about. The, the parents are rebelling against that curriculum that talks about everything being skin color. Yeah, critical race theory, which has been very anti-Asian and, and has been uh, the proponents of it have been very vocal that uh, Asian kids are doing too well. Therefore, you have to change everything. And somehow it is their fault. And that's where a lot of the anti-Asian sentiment comes from. It's it's people who get up and when they're talking about public schools, they do it so vocally and so painfully. And that's part of what Tim Scott is addressing, the, the critical race theory that is dead set on making people feel bad that doesn't take into consideration any of our, any other elements of a, a person's life and experience. Exactly. I want to play a little of Joe Biden, and then I want to get off it quick because he did fine. You know, he projected himself well. He was understood the copy, probably wrote a lot of it. But the fact that this whole chamber was empty really took the luster from it, unnecessarily empty. Uh, they should have packed the place. This is what happens when you get a vaccine, no masks, and you get to have a good time. That tradition would have it. Here is Joe Biden, cut five. Now, I know some of you at home are wondering whether these jobs are for you. The American Jobs Plan is a blue-collar blueprint to build America. Good guys and women on Wall Street, but Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built the country, and unions built the middle class. Exactly. Uh, That makes Biden was going to put out uh, $1.8 trillion, That was the American Families Plan he essentially unveiled yesterday. Uh, child care assistance, paid leave, free community college, free universal uh, uh, preschool, and more. He also has $1.9 trillion for the rescue plan. You know about that, and you know about his so-called infrastructure bill, $2.3 million. He's going to spend, this is what he wants, $6.3 trillion. Mm. So that was the message. What would you rate him? How would you rate the— uh, That, the- in, in terms of bankrupting future generations, that's an F. And I told uh, my 12-year-old that today as we were walking to school. I was like, you know, did you watch any of Joe Biden's speech last night? And she said, no, what was it about? And I said, it's about him making sure that your taxes are much, much higher when you start working. And you're going to take home less money, which means you'll have less opportunity. Right. But don't complain because, be fair, you got to pay your fair share, which is six currently in New York. If they, I think it's done. It's pretty much done. If six out of every $10, for those who are lucky enough to be successful or worked hard enough to be successful or a combination of both, six out of every $10 is not yours. Yes. Are you comfortable with that? No, absolutely not. Who would be? No, you shouldn't be. So because I've, what are you getting? Cardi B, when she started making money, said, show me some receipts. What am I getting from the money? You're taking all this money away. There's still potholes in the road. There's still crime. What am I getting from my money? Right. Do you gonna, is Cardi B the only pop star you're going to talk about? Are you going to talk about Kardashians at all? Because... That's more I would speed. talk about Caitlyn Jenner. I'm excited about the prospect of her unseating Gavin Newsom. Do you think the first move should be selling trinkets? About I, don't your have a, I don't have a problem with trinkets. Really? No, nope, no Here's problem. a mug. Yep. Vote for me. Great. Absolutely. Got to raise money somehow. <laughs> okay, that but... family is impoverished, and I don't judge them for that. Right. Kardashians are out. <laughs> they They're out of money. money. They've yep. been off the air for three weeks. Yep, that's it.
And uh, how do you expect to make a living? Exactly right. Are they all out of money? No, two of them are billionaires. Oh. Kylie and Kim are officially billionaires, right. which so is they, exciting for them. Right, for them. Yeah. Do you feel that excitement? Um, I don't begrudge people their wealth and success. Right. And I'm not used to, are you assuming that I do? Well, I was I just mean, asking a probing yeah, you're, question. You're a big pinko. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're Mr. Redistribution. I'm, right. I'm trying to have a conversation, and your, your retorts are as if I'm taking the opposite <laughs> position. I'm just trying to be a good interviewer. I don't know why you don't like Caitlin. <laughs> I love her. I, I, I didn't say that. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger thinks she wouldn't. By the way, we should play, if we could find this, Eric, I haven't done enough today, we should play the interview with Diane Sawyer when she does the whole interview with Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, mm-hmm. and the only time she was surprised is when Caitlyn said, I'm a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I could recommend anything for your show, it was like, she's, you're a Republican? Really? You were on the, you were on the uh, Wheaties box. Yep. Now it makes no sense. One um, of the, the greatest American athletes of all time. Right. 1976. That's absolutely right. And uh, the decathlon. That's Not a, 1980 because the damn commie Soviets. No, we we boycotted, boycotted them. Absolutely right. And because that, they're damn Soviet commies. And they got back. And 84, at us. yeah, which is great because then we had Mary Lou Retton and Carl Lewis. So you don't you want to win? You don't care who you're competing no, against. Absolutely not. So if you're on a travel team, you don't mind beating a, a club team. No, the Washington Generals, bring them on. Right. Every time you celebrate, <laughs> I have the Globetrotters again. I'm winning big. Yeah, exactly. uh, there goes uh, my kids go to college. I had the Globetrotters plus 80. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to look Straight for that bite. I'm going to take a time out. Do you know what's on uh, Outnumbered? Yes. We're going to be talking uh, a lot about what we've spoken about. Right. You know, so it's going to be a repeat speech. of this show. I, all I did was I, I took some of your, your notes and I gave them to the producers of Outnumbered. And I right. said, let's do this. Right. Fantastic. Said, Great. No work for us. Thank you. By the way, nobody has ever said that to me. Give me your notes. I want to do those notes. <laughs> I, I give them the notes and they go, we're going to do something that's actually people are going to listen to. Thank Someone you. offered to pay me for my notes from physics class in college. Were you good in physics? Yes. That's stunning. I tried so hard to like physics or how about this? To understand physics. Mm-hmm. Could not get a word of it. Physics is the basis of everything. When you understand Which, that, it's it. then it all makes sense. And I have just learned I have no foundation. Mm. Back in a moment. Sad. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The new from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children can't get vaccinated now, and for that reason... They are more at risk of getting infected because they are out in the community where there is a lot of infection. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. You're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Kennedy, your witness, hmm. please help America and nicely ask Anthony Fauci to back off the stage. He, uh, kids should not be wearing masks. 
Uh, what is the percentage of children who have been hospitalized and died from the coronavirus? That's what I want to know. Less than 0.5%. Yes. yes. So why would you destroy a kid's life? I mean, when you think about this, Allison was bringing this up before, the meningitis. If you get measles after you've been vaccinated, you could get, it could be very serious. I don't, you know, polio, is the, the vaccine is 70% effective. We don't keep kids in closets. What's going on here? Yes. Yeah, so if if the transmission of COVID, excuse me, COVID-19 is, is less than 10 percent outside and kids are hospitalized at a rate of below 0.05 percent, then it just makes sense that uh, those two things go hand in hand to be outside without a mask. And, and by the way, you don't want kids with a mask, period. I mean, it, it's definitely going to affect them psychologically, let alone I'm pretty sure when you breathe out, there's a reason. Dr. Jay Bakatara was on with Laura Ingram last night. Cut 42. There's so many things wrong with what uh, what Dr. Fauci said there. So first of all, we haven't tested the vaccines on children. Uh, we have no idea what the results are going to show. He's prejudging the results before we've seen them. That's just irresponsible for a medical professional to do that. Children don't spread the disease very efficiently. We know that from a whole host of studies. I mean, it's just exhaustively documented, and he knows that. So I don't really understand why he's trying to spread fear around that. Children, when they are infected, they actually don't get very sick. They, the, the number of child deaths from COVID last year was less than the flu. More kids died last year of the flu in the United States than died of COVID. The harm from COVID to children, thank God, is way less than it harmed to, to uh, the older people who are just a thousand times more likely to die if they, if they get COVID. So you're a mom as well as an anchor? Yes. You can be both? You can. Right. Thankfully. <laughs> you didn't have to Two make good jobs. <laughs> So I'm just offended by this. And then I got I was on the five last night and I said, what is going on here? We are in a recession. Leaders want to get you out of the recession. Even sometimes the numbers and durable goods or GDP growth are a little low. They're like, hey, we turned the corner. We turned the corner. They're trying to cheer us out of it. So you go shop and you go live and you go travel. Here we are in a pandemic. And if you want this economy to take off, uh, you got to get people out there again. You got to push the envelope. Why not this way? And then I got a blizzard of of uh, email saying, don't you understand the pandemic allows us to stay in a crisis? When you stay in a crisis, you can do extraordinary things like write a check for $6.3 trillion because we're in a once in a lifetime pandemic. Are you that cynical? Yes, absolutely. And I know that no one will answer when will the pandemic be declared over. Like, what in the numbers? What is the threshold? What, what, what is the daily hospitalization rate? What is the percentage of the population that's infected with the virus? Uh, when we get to those numbers, will you declare it's over? You know, will people be able to uh, travel without masks? Will restaurants in all of the country be at 100% capacity like they are in Texas? I, I would rather live in a place where they trust me to take care of myself and my family as opposed to a place like Oregon, which has like 300 people in the hospital, but they've shut down indoor dining in 15 counties there. That was and there's a huge backlash there, right, from the governor starting to shut down again. Yes. The American people don't want any part of that. I know legally she couldn't, but the governor of Michigan said, yeah, I'm not shutting down. Cases have dropped since 30 percent. But when it started surging in the upper Midwest, they, I think lawmakers know we will not tolerate that. I mean, an India situation is another situation. Brazil is another situation. If our vaccine stays as effective, knowing they were so quick with a booster shot, do you agree, Kennedy, final thought, that we've done with that? 
Yes, and the more people who get vaccinated, the more we can resume something that looks like normalcy. And and that is the big X factor here. And it's a massive one that we didn't have six months ago. We didn't have it a year ago. We've got it now. So, you know, take advantage of it. Don't be a dumb dumb. I was uh, not normal before the pandemic. Will I be more normal after the pandemic? Never. Promise? Mm-hmm. We're going to watch you in a half hour. <laughs> Woo! Outnumbered, and then my show, Kennedy, on Fox Business. Yes, yes uh, that, we're going to do that, too, on FBN. Yes. 1-866-408-7669. Call next. The Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade are you concerned about this push for a more expansive government oh most certainly yeah i am and i want to see the details as we talked before but we can't over overreach to the point to where we stymie investments we stymie basically growth for 2022 23 24 and on so we're gonna look at all that and when you look at the overall price tag of all these proposals it's i mean it's a lot i mean we're talking we're trillions and trillions of dollars here's the thing We've got 1.9 trillion that hasn't gone out the door yet. We just passed. American rescue. And it needs to be fully paid for? We need to pay for it. We do. I mean, we're at 28 and a half trillion, almost 28.25 trillion dollars. Now, that's not sustainable. Anybody's book is not sustainable. I want to ask you, yeah. is that there's a push to do it by Democratic votes alone, by reconciliation? I'm not for that. I've never been for that, and I've told them I'm not for that. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is this place has got to give have a chance to work. Wow. That's why. I mean, people are down on Senator Manchin holding the line. I'm not. And he wrote an editorial saying, I'm not going to win the filibuster. He said in an editorial, I'm not doing something on reconciliation, which means all you need is 51 votes because the vice president would give that. And if he's not going to do that, all his spending, all the spending that Joe Biden's bringing up is not going to happen. All the anger that Senator Schumer shows in defiance of dealing with Republicans is not going to matter. And keep in mind, $1.8 trillion is being uh, is being requested by the president. One two point three trillion. That's the whole infrastructure then. The one point nine is not even out the door. That's an excellent point. And Joe Manchin's not comfortable doing it. And that's a problem. That's where it starts. And we're seeing some pushback when it comes to immigration from Mark Kelly. He said, we have to address that problem at the border. Joe Biden refused to do it. But guess what? Mark Kelly's got no political future if he can't get it addressed because he was there uh, on John McCain's seat on the special election. And now he's got to go get six more years in 2022. So that's what's going on in terms of spending. And that's what uh, that's what Joe Biden wants to do. Here's the actual request. Now, the number is staggeringly good. Good news. We grew at 6.4%. But just please put it in perspective. We told our economy that was roaring with unemployment at 3.2 or 2.9% to stop working, told America to stay home, to not go to restaurants, shut them down, no more gyms, no more schools. The economy stopped. The red ink is beyond comprehension. The world stopped. So now that we're starting again, it does not take much of a leap to think we're going to be on hyperspeed. But the question is, are all these things that Barack Obama put in our way on our recovery after the Great Recession, is it happening again on steroids with Joe Biden? Listen to what he's talking about. He's, this is what he's claiming. He's taking credit in 100 days for the growth that we're seeing. Cut six. While this is all going on, the economy created more than 1,300,000 new jobs in 100 days. 
more jobs in the first 100 days than any president on record. The International Monetary Fund is now estimating our economy will grow at a rate of more than 6 percent this year. That will be the fastest pace of economic growth in this country in nearly four decades. America's moving, moving forward, but we can't stop now. Okay. Stopping now doesn't mean spending. It could mean working. It could mean getting back to work, urging people to get uh, back to their jobs, back to school, urging schools to open up every level. And I would even offer this. This is what I would offer. Say, listen, I know some of your schools in Florida end in May. I know some of the schools in California end in June. Uh, I know in New York, late June. I need everybody to go to school next to three weeks. And for teachers, I put a lot of money in the coffers there. You have X amount of dollars flowing your direction. I'm going to need you to work. It is our belief and our understanding and our quick surveys reveal that most kids learn very little this year and through no fault of their own. So let's get them back in the classroom, get that extra three weeks of school, and then let's start maybe a week early to see if we can catch America back up because the rest of the world's been sidelined as well, except for uh, China, which they're on a different level uh, in terms of not caring about their people. So... Having said that, that was not involved. Getting kids back in schools was not involved. With Tim Scott, that was all about that. And it was all about the growth that we had. We're going to grow anyway. My fear is he is going to take credit for it. And I hope you understand he doesn't deserve it. We brought the car to the side of the road. So the other big story that kind of came across after we ended the show uh, earlier this week was the raid on Giuliani's apartment. Former mayor. Uh, from 6, got woken up by the FBI at 6 in the morning. Seven agents came in. They took all his electronic devices, and uh, they stayed for at least two hours, maybe even three. Afterwards, Andrew Giuliani came down. First, it looked like Rudy was going to do his show at 3 o'clock on one of our great affiliates, 77 WABC, and then we heard a substitute host. Everyone was waiting for it at 3 Eastern. And then Andrew Giuliani came down right before I did the 5 last night, cut 47. Mind you, I'm speaking as a son and a concerned American. Anybody, any American, whether you're red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, by the continued politicization of the Justice Department. This is disgusting. This is absolutely absurd, and it's the continued politicization of the Justice Department that we have seen. And it has to stop. If this can happen to the former president's lawyer, this can happen to any American. Enough is enough. So I understand Andrew, and I also think it was brilliant to have him come down because Rudy Giuliani doesn't want to get himself in trouble. He's got his own attorney. Everyone does. I don't care what kind of attorney you are. They always recommend you get somebody else to represent you. The topic we understand is the federal investigators uh, executed a search warrant for Rudy Giuliani and his role, took his electronic devices in the Ukraine probe. What he was doing on the ground there is still a mystery to me. I'm wondering if this is all about, and I do believe it's all about the president, former president. They're trying to find out communications. The president doesn't text, so he'll, he'll never be on there. But what if Rudy says something that could be uh, negative about the president, could get him in legal jeopardy about the president? Are they going not going to follow that, that thread? If there's something on January 6th to make Rudy look bad, are they not going to follow that thread? Of course they are. But it bothers me that this is their priority. They never had a priority about the uh the Clinton Foundation, stuff that still is a, a mess and a big a big lie. They have taken their time on any type of Cuomo probe. But now let's focus on the Ukrainian investigation for the Southern, Southern District of New York. It, there's not a lot of logic there. Here's the pres, former president with Maria this morning, Cut 49. 
Rudy is a patriot who loves this country, and I don't know what they're looking for, what they're doing. They say it had to do with filings of, of uh, various papers, uh, lobbying filings. Well, did Hunter file and did Biden file? Because they did a lot of work with other countries. To the best of everybody's knowledge, they didn't file. Did Podesta file and Podesta's brother file? Uh, no, they didn't file. So it's a very, very unfair situation. You know, you have to understand Rudy. Rudy loves this country so much. It is so terrible when you see things that are going on in, in our country with the corruption and the problems, and then they go after Rudy Giuliani. It's very sad. Actually. And by the way, what's crazy is they left the Hunter Biden laptop in there. They're evidently investigating what was on the Hunter Biden laptop. I believe, for about a year now. What are you still looking at? So this was an interview that was done by NBC. President Biden sat down with an NBC anchor, Craig Melvin. He's on the Today Show, pretty much. I also see him on MSNBC sometimes, too. And he was asked what he knew about the Rudy Giuliani raid. Federal investigators searched the home and the office of, of Rudy Giuliani as part of an investigation um, into his time as President Trump's attorney, his dealings with, with Ukraine. Were, were you aware of, of that raid before it happened? I give him my word I was not. I made a pledge. I would not interfere in any way, order, or try to stop any investigation the Justice Department had underway. I learned about that last night when the rest of the world learned about it. My word. I had no idea this was underway. Have you been briefed on any other investigations no. involving? and I'm not asking to be briefed. I'm not asking to be briefed. That's the Justice Department's independent judgment. This last administration politicized the Justice Department so badly, so many of them quit, so many left, because that's not the role, it's not the role of a president to say who should be prosecuted, when they should be prosecuted, who should be not prosecuted. That's not the role of the president. The Justice Department is the people's lawyer, not the president's lawyer. We'll see what he knows. And by the way, it was early than last night. It happened at 6 in the morning. It's hard for me to believe they kept it from him for 13 hours. Uh, plus, he was with all these uh, reporters all day with the briefings for his State of the Union address or address to the joint session of Congress. Um yeah, come on in, Carly. Uh, yeah, Carly Shimkus. This is her first day on air. She's a little nervous, I guess. I mean, I'm in the middle of a segment. Oh you're on. You're on next. But I guess you wanted to come on right away. I'm so sorry. I, I mean, just... is there any security? Can I get a lock on this door? Are you talking to anybody else right now? No, I'm just talking to myself. Oh no. Right. We're so on, Carly huh? Shimkus was coming on next. Oh, so, so that do red more light to know. means that you're actually right. on the so radio. So the, the red light's on the microphone. I am so sorry. I thought I was late, so I just came running, busting I know. in here. I apologize. Well, good thing I'm I'm willing to roll with the punches. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I have that after school program. It was an extra credit class called Rolling with the Punches, <laughs> radio and TV. That when you book a guest and they come in early, screaming, right? <laughs> Uh, and they just open up the door, roll yes. with it, don't point it out. Well, I got my cardio in. I'm I'm ready to go. I, I truly ran down here. I thought I was late. Okay, sorry. I'm I will do shut more, up now. Uh, no, no, no. I want. Now you have to be here. Carly Shimkus is here. Uh, Carly, before we go, I just wanted to give you the latest on the Rudy Giuliani situation. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, the president weighed in on it. I played it. So Andrew Giuliani's statement yesterday. I played it. Uh, he sat down with Craig Melvin. He did, and I played Donald Trump on there. Anything? Yeah. 
Coley Shimkus, where do you think this is going? Well, I don't... Well, this is... Right now, it's playing out as one would expect it to play out, right? So, um... Rudy... Rudy Giuliani at six o'clock in the morning, the you know FBI busts into the apartment and they take the computers and all that. And then his lawyer's statement says, OK, well, this could have been handled in a, a much more private way. He said he offered to, to give to hand it over. Yeah. He said, you know, we offered two times to have a, a private conversation, handle this, you know, sort of diplomatically. And um, they decided to have, you know, do the search warrant route. And I guess if you issue a search warrant, you have to have reasonable cause to do that. So let's hope that this ends up being something that you don't want to say, let's hope it rises to the level, but let's hope it's above board. And we're just going to have to figure out uh, what happens. But, you know, the Hunter Biden thing is also very interesting when you talk about they left the Hunter Biden laptop and took all the other electronics. Well, not only that, but also the registering as a foreign agent. So there are a bunch of different parallels between how Republicans are constantly being treated as opposed to Democrats. And we'll just have to wait and see uh, for all the facts to come out. I am right. still panting. That's how how fast I ran down Well, here. a lot of times you're starstruck yeah. when you see me. <laughs> that could be part of it. Clearly uh, it. And just, uh, just for your personal note, have the FBI ever broken down your door and stayed for two hours? No, I uh, that has never happened to me. Although, you know... I'm feeling like 2021 could be a crazy year. <laughs> I'm thinking so, it really hasn't been too typical. Yeah, you never know. Right. Masks off, FBI in. Right. What's and uh, and when you book Carly, she's coming in at any time, anywhere. It doesn't matter who's on the air. Back in a moment. <laughs> Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Intolerance so often comes from the left with words like Uncle Tim and the N-word being used against me by the left. And last night, what was trending in social media was Uncle Tim. And they doubled down on this concept of liberal oppression. It is stunning in 2021 that those who speak about ending discrimination want to end it by more discrimination. And that is uh, Senator Tim Scott. And they finally, Twitter took it down, the hashtag. Uh, Uncle Tim, and they said, well, that wasn't generated by us. Carly Shimkus is here. Uh, you know, you listen to her on Channel 115, but you see her all over the channel, uh, 115 on Sirius. Carly, we saw yes. you a little bit earlier. You came busting in like Kramer on <laughs> Seinfeld. I'm here. But you're here. But you were doing this story on television today. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the thing that I find interesting about this is that the Twitter after, I guess they, the – a time frame was about 11 hours from when Twitter made a statement about this to when I guess it's first started to trend on social media, this truly racist hashtag. Um, they said that they are going to prevent the hashtag from appearing in the trending section. But to my knowledge, they never said anything about taking down any of those racist tweets. And they appear to violate Twitter's hateful conduct policy, which says that you cannot attack somebody based on their race. I mean, that's the definition of what this hashtag is so the question is would these would they have responded the same way if these tweets were directed at a democrat as opposed to a republican Uh, i think that's a very valid question but twitter's response is sort of one thing i think the bigger issue is the number of people who thought it was okay to tweet this yeah absolutely because but i'll tell you what if you listen to some of the commentary from other channels about tim scott which he knocked out of the park autobiographical, talked about the last four years, talked about the speech, uh, Biden's speech itself, and talked about what was missing, like uh, a mentioning of schools being open. Why don't you demand uh, schools be open? 
But I thought it was interesting, too, is because we did a collection of what the other channels thought about Tim Scott's speech. And listen to what uh, they said. This is uh, mostly, let me see, where is it? Uh, okay, here we go. CNN and MSNBC, cut 17. The messenger was great, but the message was nonsense. This is a speech delivered from a planet where facts don't matter, which is where the current Republican Party resides. But he lost a lot of African Americans. He said, America is not a racist nation. But Tim Scott, who has, who's trying to have a slightly different brand, um, it didn't it didn't really seem to fit for him. It's, it, I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. I, his audience, to me, appeared to be conservative uh, white Republicans who were angry over certain things. It, I, I, am, I am shocked and a bit embarrassed for him. This was a lost opportunity. Tim Scott has an opportunity to make his mark on criminal justice reform, and this ain't going to do it. This already, wasn't it. He already did criminal justice reform, just so you know. Yeah. Carly Shimkus. So you surprised that's the response? Did they watch the same speech we watched? Yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, and, you know, the thing, they're obviously going to say that because Tim Scott is a Republican. Um, and when he said that America isn't a racist country, people have already attacked him because he said, you know, I've been called the N-word, but America isn't a racist country. What he's saying, and he actually said it. I have the exact quote here. I love this quote. He says, original sin is never the end of the story. Original sin, meaning slavery, is never the end of the story. Not in our souls and not for our nation. The real story is always redemption. So there are always going to be instances of evil people out there and racism. But as a whole, our nation is not a racist country. And we have to get away from bringing up the worst of what happened and, and saying that that is still the norm of today. I mean, why rip down statues and tear out pa- chapters of our history books without bringing up the redemption portion? Absolutely. You tell the, it's not 1860. It's not even 1960. Uh, real quick, Tim Scott weighed in on this. Cut 26. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. All right, Carly. Yeah. That was just right to the point. He's not going to let it get him down. Right now, he's meeting right. with George Floyd's family. Exactly. With Senator Lindsey Graham. It's going to help him put together police reform. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's a rising star within the Republican Party. That's sort of the uh, theme of the day. He's the, he's the man of the moment. He did a really good job last night, and he shouldn't let this Twitter stuff bother him. Yeah, don't be surprised if Carly uh, blows into the Hannity studio, then <laughs> over to Tucker, and finishes up with Laura Ingram. Yes, I'm coming to a door near you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.